Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky, here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, as we have discussed many times throughout our episodes here, that the ultimate goal and responsibility of us as individuals is to have a relationship with God. And in our last episode, we discussed about the importance of having patience, which is enduring pain, to be able to create a better relationship. Because there is no relationship you've ever been in where both sides have always been perfectly happy throughout. It's an impossible thing of life that eventually someone's going to do something where expectations and results did not line up. And as a result, there's some form of a, of a hurt or shortcoming. And we can all think of examples like I thought you would do this and this happened or whatever. And sometimes it's, it's, it's small and both parties think it's irrelevant. They move on. And sometimes one party thinks it's small and the other one thinks it's very important. Um, but the party who thinks it's small moves on and the other party doesn't know how to articulate it. So it kind of gets buried under the surface and, um, eventually may erupt. And sometimes both people immediately realize, oh, that was a problem. Um, and, I bring this up under the context of our last episode about how you were talking about how God, no matter what, is always wanting to break through to still be there for us. And how you were discussing about how the Old Testament needs to be viewed through the New Testament. Because in some ways, when we look at the examples he gave with the flood or the casting out, you know, we see that in, in our own human relationships with each other. I'm so hurt, I'm literally casting you out of my life. Um, and you will see some of those people, you know, return to later as they get older in life. Sometimes they regret doing that. Sometimes the pain that they have, they were able to overcome and they want to create better relationships. I think one of the, the strongest and most common examples, unfortunately, we can see with this is people who got divorced who have children. Um, you know, initially they just want nothing to do with each other, but eventually because they want to be a part of the children's lives, they have to figure out how to make at least a livable relationship um, where they're not completely toxic every time they see each other. And for sometimes that takes years to, to happen and some people it's, it, it's smoother. So I bring that up because essentially every time we sin, we are the ones causing the problem in the relationship with God. You can't, if you're presenting unrelenting love, you cannot make a hurt. So therefore God is not going to, to do that to us. So we look at it as, is this something where we don't even know it's a problem? So we're moving on. Um, is this something where we're doing something that we consciously knows a problem and we need to fix it? Or is it somewhere in between? So I wanted to, to talk about that because I think it's an important element and it's really the only side of the equation that we can control. Um, thankfully, God is on full-blown love and doesn't change his mind about that. So what I would like to focus on the part that we can control and, and how to make that better um, given the light of where we're at. Um, 
I'm not sure I fully understood well, the question. Essentially, as we look at, at relations, and we can see in human relationships, when two people fail, that there's these these outcomes. You know, we both get upset, um, and, and it causes a fissure in the relationship. Um, in terms of when we sin, that's a that's a fissure in our relationship with God. And I wanted to talk about you know not brushing things under a bridge that can create such big blow ups that we get torn away from God. Because as we discussed in our last episode, God is eternally patient and full of mercy, and he's going to come back and want to return to us and bring us back to a state of happiness and love and how we can you know, not even know we're doing things wrong. And because we don't know we're doing anything wrong, just keep going down a direction of problem. And I wanted to, to have a discussion there about how we actually can control ourselves with our free will and not want to go down a direction. But part of this is is the virtue of, of knowing more and learning more, prudence, learning more to be able to know what is actually right and what is wrong and not to articulate falsehoods. So I wanted to just kind of focus on that core starting dynamic about how we can do things wrong and in a sense God's got to let us um, well in a very real sense God lets bad things happen and it's not because he likes you more or you more it's just if you don't have free will how can you truly come together in a true relationship so that was kind of the direction I was trying to go um, with, with those initial thoughts well, the idea that we can be doing something wrong and not knowing that we're doing it wrong is, uh, is what we call invincible ignorance. Uh, so that is uh, easiest to understand if we think about small children. Your, your little baby has done uh, plenty of things huh, wrong, quote unquote. And uh, of course, your baby is not capable. There's a matter of will as well as knowledge. Sometimes we're in a little bit of a bind when we know the right thing, but our free will is uh, limited by various various factors. Um, sometimes uh, em emotional limitations, post-traumatic stress, uh, various mood disorders, or you know, difficulties, sickness, number of things that can prevent us from doing the right thing because our will is limited and uh, habitual sin and things like that also uh, impacts us that way. But there's also uh, ignorance that we don't know the right thing to do. And uh, we're sort of stumbling wrong in the wrong direction. And I can identify with that in my own life later than uh, infancy in just not really having a Christian formation. And so I didn't have a good moral uh, structure and was doing things that were wrong that I didn't really I didn't fully realize we're wrong. But the the beautiful thing is, I mean, uh, we, we do kind of discover it through the natural consequences. Part of morality is not just an arbitrary set of rules that's just some somebody's rules. Uh, it does correspond with our nature. And so we do tend to do things that are uh, you know, part of what the wrongdoing we do is against nature. And then it causes suffering, uh, physical suffering, emotional suffering. 
And suffering tends to be a bit of a wake-up call for us. When it gets to a certain threshold, we realize maybe I'm doing something wrong. Uh, what what am I doing here? You know, it's like if you if you're trying to run on one leg or something, or you're trying to run without shoes on, your feet start to hurt after a while. Well, you know, uh, we our bodies are designed to pick up on some signals that indicate that we're damaging them, and we need to change our behavior. Psychologically and spiritually, we have those kinds of receptors as well. In the psychological realm, we experience psychological pain of various kinds and things like uh, potentially anxiety or depression or um, uh, maybe pervasive uh, sadness or anyway, all of these things can be signs, just like things in our bodies can be signs. Uh, there isn't always a one-to-one correlation. We have to, but but it it raises the conversation with somebody who can help us, and that's a that's a good thing. Spiritually speaking, that's where Ignatius gives us the signs of spiritual desolation when we're drawn away from God to low and earthly things. When we're all lazy, tepid, sad, uh, distracted, disturbed, uh, darkness. Uh, these these can be signs. Uh, these are signs of spiritual desolation. Spiritual desolation can be a sign that we're going in the wrong direction. If we're persistently going in the wrong direction, God himself has a way of stinging, biting, and uh, pricking the conscience. He has a way of putting up obstacles because he has a vested interest in getting us in the right direction. So just to, to clarify, it's not a matter of we could just be going in the wrong direction for a long time and how would we ever know? Um, there are some signs that we're going in the wrong direction, and we should be able to pick up on those. And they they include our own discomfort and uh, difficulties in going in the wrong direction. We do have a conscience, and the more well formed and sensitive that conscience is, the the more faithfully it guides us and helps us to hear the voice of God moment by moment. And that's uh, under the virtue of prudence, as you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier. So. Our, our conscience does help us to know what is the next step. As our conscience becomes uh, maybe more numbed and is less well-formed, then we don't pick up on some of the signals. And uh, But God has a way of breaking through. The, the, the Ten Commandments do have a way of shouting at us because they're uh, really in accord with our nature. That's why we call them natural law. It's, it's really written into our nature. It takes a little bit more effort to numb those things. We've done that a little bit societally, culturally. We can reinforce some numbing of our conscience in regard to the Ten Commandments. The pervasive pornography comes across as one example. And uh, some other things, I think, financially uh, in, in greed. And there's, uh, there, there's some elements that we're, we've become desensitized to certain uh, sinful behaviors. But uh, in any event, we're... It's, it's not a. Uh, it's not like we are ignorant in in the sense that God does help us to understand. He tends to help us to understand one step at a time, so that we don't end up in that bind of knowing what's right and being incapable of doing it. When we form a pattern of going in the wrong direction, you know, you can think of walking the wrong way. Uh, or running the wrong way, or learning to play the piano the wrong way, or learning to type the wrong way. We develop certain patterns of behavior. And then even when we know the right way, we can't just instantly switch over to it. 
And God tends to be gentle in helping us to recognize the right way as he also is working with our will in order to change our habits and help us to get back on the right track. And and, and ultimately, that also happens through uh, evangelization and grace. Uh, again, in my own life, I was going in the wrong way. I was doing things that I, in some cases, knew were had a sense were wrong. I didn't understand why they were wrong, and that wasn't well fortified. In other cases, I just didn't even know that they were wrong. I didn't have the moral structure for that. But God's first step was to break through and help me to know Him. And as my heart was set on fire, and as I had the witnesses of who Christ is, and as I believed in Him, and my my mind soared with the encounter with truth, then the moral things fell in in line behind that. And I started to change my behavior actually without effort because the, the Lord had really uh, brought a, a fire into my will in a way that helped me to change somewhat dramatically in a short period of time, but that really came through evangelization and my encounter with him. And, and that's why it's so important for us to evangelize. We really need to introduce people to Jesus because he really transforms our lives. It's not just a matter of binding people up in some uh, archaic medieval moral system that just takes all the fun out of life. It really is about introducing people to a person whose love transforms us, heals us, and and makes us saints, sets us in the right direction, uh, teaches us, and then helps us to carry out that teaching in his love. So uh, evangelization is not just an added extra that uh, or it's not just an imposition of my ideas, it really is the necessary uh, path towards the fulfillment of our human life. And, and to withhold knowledge about Jesus from people is really to do them the greatest disservice. And to share Jesus with people is really to uh, offer the greatest act of charity. So evangelization is really one of the most beautiful things that we can do, something we need to pray for foundationally, and then really take concrete steps in our own areas of influence and responsibility. And as you said that, to, to kind of break down the, the, the story, or the, not the story, but your example that you just gave and, and kind of where I was starting with here is when you were doing activities that were wrong, you didn't know you were violating the, 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 the faith with God, essentially. And, for those that were brought up in a Christian beginning, they know that. So they can kind of have all these negative feelings without it. And as you bring up evangelization, and I think this is, might be something that I'm wrong at and we need to kind of delve into a little bit, is that when I think of evangelization, I think of the way that it's articulated um, in the Bible. Because in the Bible, there's virtually no Christians at the time and they're going outside of the Christian group to go get more Christians in general. And the way that it feels that the need is now is what we really need is the people who have the quote unquote title of Christian or Catholic or whatever denomination it is, but aren't really living in that way um, and, and want to get folded into it. And I think that a dynamic that goes on there is as you said, is coming up without a Christian, you know, background throughout the beginning part of your life, 
you were able to see those negatives that you created early in your life. And by turning to God, you're able to use that momentum to put you closer and further into God. Whereas someone who started in the Catholic faith as a child doesn't see those types of things of, oh, I can turn and become better as an accelerant force, but rather as an anchor that can hold you back. Like, oh, I did all of these bad things. How could I possibly use this as something that could become a positive because of the way that I broke the morality at X junction in our lives? And I do know that there's a lot of people out there that hold these little problems that they did in their life and use them to keep themselves holding themselves back. Not necessarily as an excuse, but just something that's an anchor within them that can be really hard to be shed. And I wanted to, to just look at that dynamic because, um, you know, in, in a very real way, you were blessed to use that as accelerant to become closer to God. And while the same activity can be can be in someone else's head used to hold them back from getting closer to God because they know how much they've hurt them. They know what hurt feels like in their own lives. And they just, there can be a shame of returning to someone that you hurt and saying that I did something wrong. So I wanted to, to kind of think into that as we're concluding today's episode as, as just some thoughts that we can move forward with about five minutes left in, in today's episode. Well, when you bring up shame and guilt, Joe, uh, that's part of the gift of being raised in the faith. Uh, now, obviously those things need to be uh, shaped in accord with reality. Some people have uh, inordinate guilt or, or shame that uh, becomes crippling, but uh, ordinarily uh, at its best, the way it's designed to be is, is to be an expression of our conscience that we've done something wrong. So people do know that. And then coming back to the Lord and um, every, people have different pathways back. Of course, in the Catholic faith, we have the sacrament of confession, which is a great help. We can make that very concrete and receive the grace that we need. Um, but just coming back to him in prayer and beginning to speak to him again from our hearts and just admitting uh, what we've done is, is wrong. We've, we've gone astray. We feel badly about that. And we want to restore our relationship with him, you know, just communicating that in prayer, uh, coming back to church is uh is a good thing and the door is always open and the lord's heart is always open god will not shame us and he doesn't uh rub it in in order to make us hurt worse you know it's a he's he doesn't behave that way towards us he really welcomes us back with great love like the father of the prodigal son and that, that applies to all of us and that can be a great barrier to overcome again the feeling of it is is a sign of um uh, you know, our, our conscience being at work. And um, there was uh, something else I wanted to say. Well, you, you mentioned uh, how many people have, have grown up. I mean, the statistics are that more than 50% of the United States is now religiously disaffiliated. And so um, I don't, they don't carry the label anything. And uh, so really evangelization uh, what you are describing of people who have fallen away and then you're reaching out to bring them back is what we would call the new evangelization. That's how John Paul II described it. It's not first contact evangelization for people who know nothing. 
It's a new evangelization or re-evangelization, still evangelization. Um, but that's really, I mean, more than 50% are, are unaffiliated and more, you know, I'm not, my case is less and less rare, actually, that, that people are growing up in the United States who know nothing about Christianity any more than I knew about Christianity. I also watched The Simpsons. I also watched The Quest for the Holy Grail. I also watched uh, other cultural artifacts that have Christian things in them, often distorted, so that really I didn't know anything about Christianity. But a lot of people who went to CCD don't know anything about Christianity either because of those cultural artifacts that distort the message so much that they don't actually uh, learn or understand or, or really have an affiliation with those things. And so it really is a matter of evangelization, of introducing people to who Jesus, who God really is, and uh, and then inviting them to have an encounter with him. And that encounter can be uh, the, the same way that I had it, uh, through a Bible study, through a personal witness. Um, that encounter also could be through confession. It also could be through coming back to Mass. It could be taking the time right after, right now in this podcast, and just saying, Lord, I've been away from you for a long time. And I want to turn my heart back to you. I want to start again. I need help. Please direct me to somebody who can help me. And just saying that heartfelt prayer is the the beginning for a lot of people who come back to the Lord. What a beautiful thought to to end today's episode with. We, we thank everyone out there for listening with us. And we always thank people for continuing to spread it. And we thank you very much. And we'll be with you next week.